Okay, then. Um, I'm Corey. And this is Woody. And I'm Jacob. And this is the ISOCast. Yeah, we just okay. yeah we just kind of jump in like this. We just jump in and we do the catch up and uh, on the fly. Yeah. Well, hello. With the fight dirties. The fight dirties. Are you a singular dirty fighter? How does what is the singular form of your band name? Like I am off fight dirty. I guess it would be. Um, it, it was inspired by, and I don't know whether this ever turned out to be a real story or a fictitious story, but there was this uh, story running around about a cruise ship food fight brawl that was between a bunch of UK and US nationals um, apparently instigated by somebody in a full clown suit um, <laughs> and that that was the impetus for the band <laughs> what a food fight an act like a, a for fun food fight or an angry you took my all-inclusive buffet away food fight no like an all-out fist fight that happened to be happened to involve a lot of food because it was on a cruise ship mm. um so there you know it's a fist fight in a buffet and so if you got one of those big alaskan king crab claws you're going to use it I bet you are. I was gonna say, what what's your go-to food that you're going to grab in a food fight what what can do the most damage apple apple i kind of like the crab i mean that's you, you know spiky hard i mean you could do some damage <laughs> with it i'm going to go apple because there'll, there'll be the explosive quality when it impacts the head Mm-hmm. And then just the blinding acid in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can just keep pummeling them with apples until they drop. It's got the right mm-hmm. acidity too. It stings, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. One what hand, was that It's fruit? baseball sized, you know? I can just wing that. Watermelon's too big. Yeah. What was that fruit down in Costa Rica that it smelled just terrible? You know what I'm talking about? It was like that really big. Like a peji baye? Um, oh. No. No, it was uh, <laughs> not, not the pay I would be upset if I were pummeled by pay <laughs> They that do smell so terrible. No, it was like the size of a... It's like a jackfruit. Is that what you're talking about? Mm, I, don't, I don't think I ever heard it called that. I can't remember what I heard it called. It was like the size of a pineapple, but it was like very soft and it had the... Wow. It had like this white milky kind of inside. Oh, yeah. And it, was, it was green and kind of spiky on the outside, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. And they use it to uh, cure cancer. Yeah, stuff like that. Stuff like that. I think oh, that would be called. a great food fight brawl item. Sounds like a good one. <laughs> 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 and thus the fight dirties were born. Is that the story? Mm-hmm. And the beauty is you're you're struck by a fruit loaded with antibodies, uh, which will help in the healing process. You're really it, doing someone a favor. That's right. It does have one of my favorite lyrics um, of any of the numerous two bands that i've been in um that we've ever penned uh which is every clown's a sin (laughs) it's just wonderful because i I imagine that food fight started at the dessert table right with that clown grabs a cream pie and does Mm -hmm. the old cliche hucks it at somebody they always do or the bar Mm. Mm. Mm hmm yep have you ever thrown or had a drink thrown in your face no no, I haven't. I don't. Is that a thing? Is that so. just a TV movie thing? Yeah, because you think of that as like the typical horrible breakup thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Do people do that? Have you ever seen it happen? Have you been in the vicinity? Mm-hmm. Only on screen. No. 
There's a good challenge if we ever get to um, go to bars and see people again. <laughs> is, uh, try and get a drink thrown in your face. I'd like to experience it once. I think it'd be what. Well, that see what kind of drink now. We, you know, if you're gonna be mm-hmm. if you're gonna be the thrower, and at least in in Canada, <laughs> drinks are very expensive. So you're gonna throw a ten dollar <laughs> drink in someone's face. I mean, I don't think the movies account for the the financial aspect of throwing a drink in someone's face. That's probably part of the shame of it, right? It's like the, <laughs> hey, I'm willing to suffer extreme personal costs to drench you in this Appletini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want ice. You don't want an umbrella. You don't want any like fruit swords. That's for sure. Have either of you been pied in the face? No. 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 I have had that experience from a fundraiser in college. Unless that's like a euphemism. I don't, I don't know what the young people are saying these days. Is that a pied? Yeah, a Tinder thing? I don't know. <laughs> no you know like they do it at the end of baseball games like the guys will come up and they'll do the shaving cream pie in the face yeah it never happened to me or they dump the water cooler over your mm-hmm. head you know mm-hmm. that'd be a good office gag actually you know <laughs> so yeah i've been listening to the show but i mean how are you guys like the last it's been a couple weeks right since you've had one up or yeah. have i just missed them no we took a break it has took a little break okay. yeah i moved you moved. Um, so that, that consumed a few weeks. And then, uh, you know, life happened. And Woody, are you still in phase two? I don't know. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> they say this, they say that. It's, it's. I mean, we make jokes within reason. Like, it's not like this is a science or anything. But this part <laughs> of the province is this phase today. And the other part of the province is here. And this part of the city and that part. I I don't really, I just stay home. I don't really pay attention to what I'm allowed to do. I just, yeah, I have a deck. I have a little patio. I just sit out there and have my beer and I don't really mm-hmm. feel like I need to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you at now? You're talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm. So uh, close to the middle. I guess we're probably a little north of dead center of the middle. Um, but we are one of the states that I think enjoyed um, had some natural advantages on sort of slower spread just because we have a little bit lower population density and more kind of things happening outside and some of those sort of things. But um, the last couple of weeks, things have been ramping up mm. quite a bit here. So um, we'll see where it goes. There's um, I, schools seem to be sort of a barometer for, you know, like how communities are doing right now. So our communities are still in the, um, they want to try to do a rotating schedule. So they're, they're going to like send half the kids Monday, Wednesday, the other half Thursday, Friday, and then alternate Friday or something like that. So we're sort of in the, you know, we're, we're taking measures, um, but we're not, we're definitely not like completely locked down. Um, where I actually went to church for the first time this morning since this yeah. whole thing started. Um, we had, I'm, I'm coaching my son's t-ball team, uh, the, the three and four year old t-ball team, which is hilarious. Um, it's even funnier, like with the COVID stuff, because the parents are even more spread out. So they yell even louder. (laughs) (laughs) Megaphones. Oh, it's so fun. It's just a blast. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I think we're kind of in the middle, you know, we, have have taken it seriously from the beginning but haven't had to deal with like a really scary situation yet so okay that's good that's good that's interesting about the school setup because i was thinking not to toot my own horn here but you know that's what we're here for uh <laughs> about because at least in in toronto 
they don't they don't know anything. They haven't decided anything. They don't really know what to do with schools, you know, in basically a month from now. And in my mind, you know, I was why because there's this balance of is it safe enough to send kids to school versus if you keep them home and you know you have working parents obviously and daycare is expensive and these types of variables so is there a rotation option that would be feasible for all parties considered and you know a monday wednesday tuesday thursday rotation within every other friday or an online friday or whatever type of thing crossed my mind i don't know if it's feasible here but that's interesting that that in, in omaha that they're considering that that's cool yeah, I mean, I can tell you a lot of those working parents are not thrilled because they were mm-hmm. they were kind of banking on, you know, kids going back. Right. Um, but if you it, it all depends on what you think sort of the alternative is. Right. Like if you think things are sort of overblown and, and it could be safe and we're doing this because we're being cautious, you know, th- those folks are all upset. If you think, you know, the alternative is is basically nothing. You're happy to get them out of the house for, you know, two days, mm-hmm. two and a half days out of the week. So. Um, I don't know. It's, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm personally kind of nervous about the, the fall much more than I am sort of nervous right now. Um, cause I think especially again, in a kind of more spread out, you know, community like ours, we can kind of deal with it, you know, as long as we still have warm weather outside. I think when it gets, you know, when it gets bad here, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough. I think things are going to kind of go back to, to the way they were in March or April, you know, and that's that's going to be tough for a few people to go back to. We see um, uh, some of my friends and colleagues in Ontario, Woody, now that you mention it, they got like, um, you know, surveys and emails. What do you think we should do? I appreciate the, <laughs> the okay. notion that they are given the opportunity to feel like they're involved in the decision-making process. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is uh, you can click anything on that survey and it's not going to make any difference in terms of, of how they decide to execute no. a, a return to school. But right. we, you know, early on we saw here in Quebec, there was considerable concern for those children, especially who depend on school for um, one or two of their best meals of the day. Right. Uh-huh. For those that, that need to get out of um, complicated family situations, uh, there's of course the, the the social aspect of of being you know young and and isolated from your group and community. So, plus there's the uh, the folks that uh, may or may not want to kill their kids after <laughs> so many weeks of having spent time with them. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's multifactorial. I'd love yeah. to say, gosh, obviously the science is going to dictate what happens here, but there's got to be more of a the social economic. I think this is the last as well. Not maybe the last, but maybe the last big element to be sorted. Because I was saying to someone yesterday, I think it was that you know, I, I, it's it's weird that this new thing is normal now. Where oh, I just wear a mask when you go shopping, and you try not to go around. Mm-hmm. I think as a species, we're we now know kind of how to handle this, and you know that these new things are just necessary for the temporary indefinite time that we're living, but schools are different. And there are, Corey, we've talked on other episodes about just kind of cool things that are coming out of this. And, you know, I said, well, before we start recording that my prescriptions now, my pharmacy is delivering to, to my house, which is pretty cool. But mm-hmm. I've seen on the news in Europe and Den- Denmark, I think, where they're building outdoor schools type of things, outdoor classrooms, outdoor spaces. And obviously there are, you know, where the three of us living, there's climatic elements where that wouldn't be feasible all year round. But mm-hmm. there might, you know, being outdoors seems to be a, a good thing. So maybe there's something 
something there too. Drive-in schools. Yeah. <laughs> the kids and the parents all stay in the car. <laughs> they hang the little speaker on the window. Teachers that, up on the big screen. That was one of the funnier things. So we've been, you know, doing lots of Zoom calls for work like everybody else has. Um, <laughs> I live near kind of one of the, the dammed up, you know, parts of a stream over here. It's like a retention pond, but it's a very big one. And it has nice bike trails and stuff. Um, but I, the first couple of weeks, uh, after we got locked down, people were mostly in their houses, but then there was a point, I think it was maybe week three, week four, where I started noticing lots of my colleagues were sitting out in their cars by themselves. And then I started to realize they were all sitting in the same parking lot, which is right over at the lake. (laughs) (laughs) We've replaced our indoor office with our, you know, we still have a hallway. It's just, it's a little more hard to, you know, go through the door, but yeah, people are getting creative. I finally moved out. I was down here for four months, I guess, or something. And I finally was like, if I don't see the sun, I'm I'm not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, it's summer, right? I think now it's it's a little bit easier and it's nice outside. If you have a space to go for a walk and stuff, you know, when mm-hmm. winter comes, I've we've said this before too, I, I don't know. Being inside is going to be harder when it's colder, but uh, oh. for now. And kids are off school. It feels normal because it's summer anyway. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. in the fall. I think the one silver lining that will continue into that phase, you know, when, like we've just been living outside, you know, we've, we didn't own bikes at the beginning of this. We now are on them every other day. We, you know, like those types of things. Um, but I think one of those silver lining things is, is people, because so many of us are remote, um, working and potentially also learning that way, like with kids and stuff, there's more and more opportunity to sort of travel in the, the long-term, like actually sit somewhere and experience a place uh kind of way if you happen to have family who have places where you can you know go go be with them for a while so we did that for a couple of weeks up at a lake um up in wisconsin and uh where, where heather's folks have a place and it was just wonderful i mean it was my work day was no different but you know the kids had this beautiful sort of northwoods playground you know to go run around on and and grandma trying desperately to chase after three grandkids under three um but there are some things like that that i think when the outdoor stuff goes away that's going to get there's going to be even more of that kind of pressure i think it's a it's a boon for grandparents um, if they can tolerate the risk of being around their younger you know kids and grandkids i think they're going to get to see more of them we're we're inherently but i mean look by the nature of the three of us sitting around on a sunday afternoon podcasting uh, that by definition, I think thrusts us into this position where we, we we're fortunate enough, right. That all yeah. of our, our positions were not dramatically affected and we're seeing silver lining. There's a lot of folks out there, obviously who there is no silver lining. There's no work to go to. There's no right. zoom they can call into. There's, there's no grandparents to take the kids for half a day, you know? So it's, um, we're certainly aware and grateful sitting in our bubble of, of how this has worked out for some, but not for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that true in, in Nebraska, Jake? The U.S. gets a lot of press, obviously, with what's going on, and the, but the U.S. is a big country. So is Nebraska, what's the, how's life in Nebraska been since, let's say, April, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think some of the sort of high points on, you know, related to sort of the pandemic um, would be when it really kind of hit in Nebraska was when it started getting to some of the um, meatpacking plants and, and those, mm. those sort of food service 
um, industry communities. Uh, so grand Omaha steaks, Omaha steaks. There you go. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> like there's a, a large, um, set of meatpacking facilities out near grand Island, Nebraska, which is kind of right out in the middle of the state. And they, I haven't checked recently, but at the height of when New York was really bad, grand Island was worse per capita. Oh. I mean, it's, it's been, so there are isolated communities like that that have really been hit hard. Um, but you know, I, I am not accepting the premise that the reason it seems like we have so many, t- uh, cases is because we're testing so much. Um, <laughs> but there is, it is true that in the early phases, the communities where we noticed it, um, I think it was in large part related to, cause like a situation like that, you get in and you all of a sudden have to test everybody because they're handling food. Right. Um, and so I think that's what's made it so hard to sort of wrap our minds around is like, no, nobody feels any certainty about sort of where we're at on, on whether even, even in the same community sort of relative to where you were a month ago. Um, I mean like Heather and I have both been tested now because we, we both had spells where we were sick and uh, we were both negative, but it, I, in both cases, I think it was seven or eight days after we like filled out the screening that we actually got in to take a test. And then it was another, I think three days after that. So, I mean, even in the, in the most immediate sort of, personal sense i don't really have a lot of faith in that result <laughs> like that i like that i didn't have it because well you know the test says it, you didn't have it 11 days ago but in those yeah, 11 exactly. days you know yeah so it's just i don't know i think that's really been been part of the problem and and there's a legitimate i mean trying to do anything that sort of granular and consistent at a national level and just a place this big is it's hard like i'm not i'm not trying to know make it sound like it should have been easy but um i think it hasn't been done well i think we have basically be able to agree on that and you know you can you can lay the blame where you want to lay the blame but um i think there's a, a strong appetite for it to um be a lot better than that if we do have a second wave here when it gets cold and i think that's driving a lot of the um previously well-established sort of political and ideological and social sort of clusters around here i mean this is this is one of the reddest of the red places you know in in terms of party wise um and and politically but you know even here it's there's just a lot you can just feel kind of winds changing a little bit um the, the whole community kind of feels a little bit less settled um so we'll see i think it's it's going to be a really interesting year to ride out here I think I'm optimistic that March, April, May of next year, maybe we have a vaccine, um, Mm -hmm. the weather starts coming back, you know, those kind of things happen. I think it's, I think we got a decent shot at a fairly normal next year, but it's going to be a while (laughs) to get there. Ride it out. Yeah. Ride it out is a good phrase, I think, because it's human nature, especially in this modern age to be impatient or to want things immediately. And I think that's the mm-hmm. most frustrating thing is that it, we all are realizing or have realized this is not going to be. So mm-hmm. just got to sit tight and, and as you say, ride it out. Yeah, or, you know, fatigue. There's, there's a point mm-hmm. where you frankly just kind of get sick of the whole thing. We're seeing here in Canada um, a lot of spread amongst the youth. 
And it's largely being attributed to fatigue. We're kind of sick of this whole thing. Yeah. You know, we miss our friends. We miss our social circles. We want to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to stay vigilant, you know, especially for those that their social circles are such an enormous part of their lives. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I can say it like a lot of introverts. It's like, I'll be fine. You know, I don't love it, but I'll be okay. Yeah, I'm sad that some of my favorite places are never going to open again, and I'm not going to see some of the people I love probably for a year, but I'll be okay. But, you know, when you're young, when you're 15, 16, your social circle's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. And when you're like maybe five, six, seven, and you're living with mom and dad, there's only so much mom and dad <laughs> you can yeah. take, right? Yeah. You got to you gotta hang out with other kids. Yeah. So this that's I think that's driving a lot of this. And Corey, you're yeah. in a position that most people are in, and your your family lives... Your, your parents live not close to where you live geographically. And mm-hmm. my partner's family, similarly, her sister and family lives in Niagara, which is two hours away. And her dad lives in London and et cetera. And most families are like this. So that that adds a strain as well. And Jake, I don't know if your family is close by, but lots of people don't, you know, have that two hour drive or plus, And that's a tricky you know, do I do it? Do I not do it? When can I do it? And there's not really a a good answer to that question. Yeah, we have, my side is about an hour, hour and a half um, away from here for the most part. Um, I have one brother who's up in Rochester, Minnesota, but everybody else is within that radius. Um, And then Heather's side, they live up in Minneapolis, but they've been spending a lot of time up in Wisconsin, which is all of 12 hours from here, maybe 11. Um, so we've, when we've seen them, it's been kind of those longer spurts and we have been able to do that a couple of times, but it's not like you can, you know, make a trip like that for a weekend very easily. Um, my folks, uh, we, we did have a period where we were, um, separated for a while in part because my, my dad is, is in a medical practice and he, when this thing started, Omaha was much harder hit than Lincoln. And so among him and his, his partners, they were all like, Nobody's going to Omaha. Nobody's t- contacting anybody from Omaha. <laughs> and we actually had to, that was what caused us to pull our kids out of daycare was that we were relying on my mom to watch the kids like one day a week. And she's like, I can't keep coming if they're going into daycare. <laughs> so um, we, we had a period where that was really hard. But then since then, we've kind of been in the, they've kind of been a part of our, I think you guys talked about like bubbles of bubbles one time, or you had this Canadian <laughs> mm-hmm. idea of like the double bubble know, pairing up your bubbles a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, the bubble boy. I keep thinking of that Seinfeld episode when you hear the bubble, yeah. the bubble boy. So my, my, my immediate family has kind of been our, our double bubble or whatever yeah. um, for probably the last couple of months. And keeping track of who's in the bubble, who's not in the bubble. It's a, a mathematical exercise. Well, I saw this person mm-hmm. two weeks ago. So are they out? Do I now have room in my bubble for another person? How does, mm-hmm. can you remove, once you're in the bubble, can you go out of the bubble? And all of these types of things we think, or at least I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's tricky. Are you guys, are you guys starting to get the, um, the notices of all of the places that you, you once patronized or not going to be there anymore? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting a few of those yeah. myself. No, I I haven't yet. But to be honest, I haven't been paying a, a, a high degree of attention. I mean, I think like a lot of other people, I was hyper focused on it for a while, and then it just got to a point where I was like, "Is this something I can affect or control?" Nope. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll just focus on the things I can. You know, like 
can I worry about whether we're ever going to go back to our awesome office downtown? Like I could, but is that going to be, is that going to make uh, my life better than just focusing on trying to do it as well as I can here? No. Like, <laughs> so I've, I've kind of put up the mental block on that, you know, for, for a while now and probably more than I should have. But so if, if I have favorite bars and restaurants that have closed, I wouldn't even really know because we've been basically living it. The only two establishments we frequent are Costco and the liquor store. So <laughs> in that order or the opposite? <laughs> I I bought so much at the liquor store I haven't had to go for a while. So. <laughs> I think I think Costco uh US Costco can you buy liquor in bulk at Costco? Do they do that? Do they do oh, the yeah. 40 bottles of 40s? Oh yeah, you have and there's a few of them that are actually decent. There's some of them that are really bad. Okay. Like they're, you know, the Kirkland brand. Um like if you want to make Moscow mules. Mm. The Kirkland vodka is the best bang for the buck out there, but really, yeah. Oh, it's it's very very good. It's like a, it's a French. It's really good. Good to know. Um, but the yeah, I've got a little liquor store out close to me that's sort of one of those nice. It's not very big. It's kind of on the edge of a big city, so it's it's got the good, you know, distributors that still service it, but it's not super expensive like the ones that are kind of downtown. So um, I just. I like going in there and trying to help keep them afloat. But to be honest, I don't think they've been struggling. The liquor business is booming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Quebec, we're on a, a province-wide mask mandate now. I think I know in the GTA mm -hmm. in Toronto area, you guys are, but yep. um, I'm not sure if it's all of Ontario yet, but what's the deal in Nebraska? Are you guys masked or unmasked? So Omaha does not have one at the city level yet because our mayor for legal reasons has said that that would have to come from the governor the way she's read it. Um, the Lincoln mayor is currently in a fight with the governor about that um, because our governor is, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, our governor has um, decided that he wants to mirror our national policy, um, which, which is to say nothing. Um, and our, for example, um, he, uh, I think two months ago or so, maybe a month ago, um, declared that he was going to withhold any discretionary funding that he could from local governments if they required masks for people that came into their government offices. Um, so I am not aligned um, with, with that particular stance. The Lincoln mayor, um, because things were getting bad here recently, um, tried to put in an order uh, that basically required masks uh, for most people. And that, who knows how effective that will be. Um, I, I tend to think not very, because the problem with those mask mandates is the same everywhere, which is if you have people who buy into it and you turn it into, you know, not wearing a mask is sort of like smoking it's not hard to enforce because then everybody feels the social responsibility mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm wearing this to protect you. Um, we're not there yet at a population level here. I mean, we're, it's still very much a, if I feel uncomfortable, I will wear a mask. And that just doesn't lead to the level of adoption that you need for it to be an effective control. And it also makes a mask mandate really hard to enforce. Cause what are you going to do? Start arresting people for something like that. I mean, it's just, it's really it's just logistically challenging of like, how do you get from 
here to there, you know, like I, w- I wore a mask in church this morning, which was very weird. Um, just cause you're, you're singing and you're, it's a, it's a very proximal community, like, you know, um, and we're socially distanced, like physical, you know, spacing wise and very other, very few other people in my church were wearing masks. And I'm like the least at risk of anybody there from a population perspective. But I just, I wanted to try to fight that a little bit. Like, I just, I just wanted, like, if anybody was feeling shamed out of wearing a mask, I wanted it to feel like maybe it was more okay because this young guy who who probably doesn't need to be wearing one for his own sake is wearing one. Um, but I think we're, we're starting to turn the corner on that. We've got, like, again, our church is actually going to do a mask mandatory service next week and then mm. one not after it. Um, so I think if it's going to happen here just because of our weird cultural sort of relationship to government, it's going to be a social change thing, not a mandate thing. Like if it's if it's really going to be effective, because if it if it gets pushed down, it's just going to be resisted. But if we start viewing it as us taking care of each other, I, I am optimistic we could actually get there and we could actually make a big difference. Helpful to have buy-in from the the private sector as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when very organizations say, "Hey, you want to come to our establishment? We require mm-hmm. you to wear one." But you know, it's always it's super odd to me because I think socially we've all accepted you can't walk into Costco without a shirt or shoes. Yeah. You know? yeah. Why all of a sudden? Why is this such a big deal? You know, for a year of our lives, change is always it takes a while, right? People. When electricity wasn't invented, they didn't want it. You know, they thought it was going to burn their house down. So mm-hmm. things always take a little bit of time to to get mm-hmm. instituted. I feel bad for thinking of the private sector. I feel bad for the employees, you know, because you hear stories right. and, you know, the minimum wage workers in retail and fast food chains who get yelled at because they're asking politely, I assume, the patrons to put on a mask who aren't wearing one and... The topic of enforceability, to Jake, is a good one. I mean, in Toronto, we're not, they're not really enforcing, they're not arresting people. It's just they've got buy-in from the majority of people and it's you mm-hmm. kind of shame each other type of thing socially. But if it's yeah. the minimum wage worker at McDonald's that has to enforce it, that's they didn't sign up for that. Yeah, Having, though, considerable experience in retail, I can tell you that that's pretty much the norm. Right. The, whoever's on the front line of the customer complaint is the one who's the victim of whatever the company policy is. We, yeah. We've all gotten upset with, uh, you know, checking in on an airline or <laughs> yes. know, that price on those beans was different on the counter, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like this, this kid, it's not, it didn't do that to you, but they're going to have to sit there and bear the brunt of it. So right. I'm not, I'm certainly not suggesting that it's cool that they're the ones who are, you know, getting screamed at because uh, their store wants customers to wear a mask. But um, I don't know. Are we talking about outliers here? Because it always seems like mm-hmm. you, when we watch things like, you know, American media that uh, things seem to be a little bit, you know, blown out of proportion. Here in Quebec, everywhere we go, everyone's wearing a mask and that's just, it just is. I envy you. It's just not, I mean, especially there's a funny sort of thing going around a couple of weeks ago with uh, this guy I, I know in Lincoln, who's a radio host now, but he's he was going through different establishments and trying to estimate mask wearing like as you went. So it was the highest at, I think, hardware stores and middle was like grocery stores, 
And then if you went into like a sporting goods store, it was like 5%, hmm. if that. And there, it, it's almost a like required to discretionary spending scale. <laughs> like, like the more that you like have to be there, um, the more likely you were to be wearing it, the more you were just going to throw away some cash on something you didn't need, the less likely it is that you were going to be wearing it. And I think that's, I think that kind of speaks to the cultural moment that we're in on this side. I mean, I'll tell you that the, the extremism, the, the sensationalism, you know, that you see in terms of things being blown out of proportion is very real. I mean, it's not, I, I don't know what it looks like from there, but, there are things that that just inexplicably become political issues where the divide on like whether the left or right supports it or doesn't support it makes it has no rational bearing to their like overall worldview or political ideology it just doesn't like like with masks for some reason that that became a a left pro mask right anti mask thing and if you just look at like what the two sides believe it could have absolutely been the opposite like it doesn't, there's no good reason why it, it happened that way other than the only one I can think of is that our CDC completely botched that at the beginning by telling people not to wear them because they were ineffective and to save them for the healthcare workers and then trying to walk that back and being like, no, actually we need everybody to wear it because it's a big public health benefit. And so there, I do think that probably seeded it. But that doesn't explain like why this is a political thing. There's so many things like that in our environment right now that just it, they don't make sense as political issues at all. Um, but but it's very real and it it it's so unpredictable that you don't feel like you can, you know, when we think about voting and and trying to think about who we want to support and try to you know fix it, you don't even know who to vote for because they're all crazy. It's like. What are you, like I was going to say, it's an election year. It doesn't feel like, at least from up here, it doesn't feel like it because we're used to, you know, 18 months of gearing up for the election. And obviously, with good reason, this is overshadowing it. But just as a, is there any talk about how voting could work in a, you know, socially distanced voting type of system? <laughs> well, our president for the, the first president, at least in my lifetime, that I can never remember hearing this, um, although I, I guess it's his second time saying it, um, said that he's already questioning the legitimacy of the uh, outcome because he thinks there's going to be such wild, widespread uh, mail ballot fraud um, because of this, which I think is very dangerous and irresponsible um, to be saying. But the I think a lot of states are turning toward mail-in um, one of the the positive effects that came out of sort of the election stuff that happened this last time around um, was that we have an, an extremely decentralized voting system, even for the federal elections here. And um, folks kind of woke up to the fact that, that we were pretty vulnerable in a lot of ways um, on that to outside interference. And I think some of the effort and that got put into trying to fix that system to guard against outside threats um, is actually going to be helpful here because if you do switch to mail-in ballots or you do switch to, you know, trying to do other things logistically at the voting sites, you know, drive-through voting or wh whatever, um, to try to, to handle that, I think we've, we've invested more in our ability to check the integrity of the voting process. So I'm hopeful that that will help. Um, 
I, I registered to do mail-in voting um, in our primaries this year, and I, I anticipate I will do that um, in November as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's we saw that with the primaries, you know, um, whatever those were in March or April. And I, I think it's going to be tougher in November than it was then from a public health perspective. So we'll see where it goes. Um, it's, it is certainly making some strange bedfellows on the, on the voting, you know, spectrum of sort of people that are previously like get out to vote activists are now like not, and people that are like, it kind of, it's very, it's, it's just a very odd, it feels very odd and unpredictable. Just do it all on Facebook. Send out a poll. <laughs> Be done with it. Poll in Estonia. Twitter poll. Yeah. That's something the president will get on board with. He likes Twitter, so. That's true. <laughs> sure. That's true. Okay, then. Um, I'm Corey. And this is Woody. And I'm Jacob. And this has been the ISOCast. Cast.